We are back. All right, let's take a plunge into where technology meets politics meets human affairs. Tom Leister, a mathematician at the University of Edinburgh in the UK, wrote an opinion piece for a new scientist I would like to quote from. It was titled Ethical Calculus. The subtitle was Mathematicians Must Face Up to the Fact That Their Work Is Being Used to Enable Mass Surveillance. Said the author, for the past 10 months, a major international scandal has engulfed some of the world's largest employers of mathematicians. These organizations stand accused of lawbreaking on an industrial scale and are now the object of widespread outrage. How has the mathematics community responded? Largely by ignoring it. Those employers, the U.S. National Security Agency and the U.K.'s Government Communications Headquarters, GCHQ, have been systematically monitoring as much of our lives as they can, including our emails, texts, phone and Skype calls, web browsing, bank transaction, and location data. They have tapped internet trunk cables, bug charities and political leaders, conducted economic espionage, hacked cloud servers, and disrupted lawful activist groups all under the banner of national security. The goal, to quote former NSA Director Keith Alexander, is to collect all the signals all the time. The standard justification for this mass surveillance is to avert terrorism. U.S. officials repeatedly claimed that mass surveillance had thwarted 54 attacks, but the NSA eventually admitted it was more like one or two. Its best example was an alleged $8,500 donation to a terrorist group. He notes, we may never know exactly what mathematicians have done for these agencies. GCHQ does not comment on intelligence matters, which is to say anything it does. But revelations by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden suggest some possibilities. For example, we know the NSA has undermined internet encryptation. Certain encryptation methods used pseudo-random number generators based on the theory of elliptic curves. These are used to create keys for encrypted information, ensuring only the sender and receiver can see credit card details, for example. Snowden revealed that the NSA inserted a secret backdoor into the widely used elliptic curve algorithm, allowing it to break the encryptation. That could not have been done without sophisticated knowledge of the mathematics involved, the details of which were recently described by Thomas Hales of the University of Pittsburgh in the Notices of the American Mathematical Society. He notes, Mathematicians seldom face ethical questions. We enjoy the feeling that what we do is separate from everyday world. As the number theorist G.H. Hardy wrote in 1940, I've never done anything useful. No discovery of mine is made or is likely to make directly or indirectly for good or ill the least difference to the amenity of the world. Noted Tom Leinster, that idea is now untenable. Mathematics clearly has practical applications that are highly relevant to the modern world, not the least internet encryptation. He does note that apart from the nuclear physicists who back in the 1940s knew they were working on atom bomb, Mathematicians today working for the NSA or GCHQ often have little idea how their work will be used. The author notes that at a bare minimum, we the mathematicians should talk about this. Maybe we should go further. Eminent mathematician Alexander Bellinson of the University of Chicago has proposed that the American Mathematical Society sever all ties with the NSA and that working for it or its partners should become socially unacceptable in the same way that working for the KGB became unacceptable to many in the Soviet Union. 
Strong words in the field of mathematics. We'll see what comes of this, if anything. And speaking of breaking encryptation, I've got a piece from the Sacramento Bee I've been sitting on since April 10th that just has to be quoted from. It was a reprint of a Washington Post piece by Brian Fung about how the web's in for a bad time with bug fixes. They were, of course, talking about the heartbleed bug that affects online security by piercing a hole in some of the encrypted connections. Now, there was a lot, there's a lot of uh, hue and cry over this in April. Fung noted at this time that estimates of the severity of the bug's damage have mounted almost daily since researchers announced the discovery of the heartbleed. What initially seemed like an inconvenient matter of changing passwords for protection now appears to be much more serious. New revelations suggest that skilled hackers can use the bug to create fake websites that mimic legitimate ones to trick consumers into handing over valuable personal information. He notes that the bug put many consumers' usernames and passwords at risk. It went undetected for two years. The bug quietly undermined the basic security of the Internet by leaving a gap in OpenSSI, an encryption technology used widely by businesses to protect sensitive data. By some estimates, the bug affected as many as two-thirds of the Internet. In a sidebar titled, What You Need to Know About Heartbleed, it was noted that while it was conceivable that the flaws were never discovered by hackers, it's nearly impossible to tell. They add that there isn't much that people can do to protect themselves until the particular websites affected implement a fix. Asking what sites are affected, they said many but not all. According to the online site Mashable, large sites such as Facebook, Twitter, Google, including Gmail, Yahoo, Netflix, and Dropbox were affected and fixed. Microsoft, Apple, LinkedIn, Amazon, AOL, eBay, PayPal, and nearly all banking websites are not affected. And they note that the idea of going out and changing your password, at least as they were talking about it in April, wasn't necessarily going to fix anything because if you were to change your password on a site that hadn't implemented the fixes, your new password would be just as vulnerable as the old one. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Our thanks to Congressman Pete McCloskey and our old pal, Mr. Will Durst. This program was produced by Edward Willen, which has been Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week at the same time. Oh, yeah, I'm Douglas Everett. Sure, now I'll find, now I'll find the